Hello and welcome to Who Watches the World Cup, the only podcast on the internet that finds the connections between football and politics and compares the two with me as always. He's a superstar. He's a wonder kid. He's a world-renowned heartthrob. It's David Bryan. I can only laugh. <laughs> well, that's that's the kind of thing, yeah, that's what, what happens, right? You know when you see the red carpet and George Clooney walks onto the red carpet and everyone's like, George, 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 and he just looks and just goes up. <laughs> just like a... <laughs> And he's like, it's You're... just like, I know, I know, I'm George Clooney. I know, I know I'm a big deal. You know, but I'm, you know I'm a big deal. But I'm cool enough to just be like, hi, guys. That's what you're Hi, hi guys. This must be really great for you. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, this must be really good for you to be doing this podcast with me. And let me tell you, Dave, it is. Well, I'm glad. I think your, your hyperbole may have run away from you there for a second. But as long as you're happy, I'm here. That's all that matters. <sighs> God, I'm happy. I wouldn't trade you for George Clooney or the world. What about Casper Schmeichel? Oh, shit. <laughs> some things some things are better not to think about. But bringing up Casper Schmeichel, England v Denmark tomorrow. Whoop, whoop, whoop. How do it's you feel tomorrow. about it? It's, it's two days. It's two days from now. No, there's football tonight. And there's football... What day is it today? It's Monday today. No! <laughs> Sorry. Oh, God. Damn it, Dave. <laughs> Did you actually think it was Tuesday? Today? I thought that it was one of the semifinals today and our semifinal tomorrow. But but you're right. It's the Italy-Spain semifinal tomorrow and us yeah. on Wednesday. Oh. oh. A minute ago, before we started this podcast, we were just saying, actually, the world is great, right? It's like uh, we're stuck inside our technology and our computers, and it means that we lose so much of our experience with the world. But like being able to smell things, touch things, taste things, hear things, the world is so much more alive than we often we often feel that it is. And uh, this has killed the world for me, Dave. <laughs> Sorry, I've, you were riding on quite a high before we... Um... Before we start recording, and yeah, I think I fear I've I've dragged you back no, down. No, 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 it's not it's not you with your your George Clooney like smile. It's <laughs> it's the revelation that I'm gonna have to wait and and twenty seven hours for football, and God forbid, I have to wait another twenty seven hours for football. But anyway, England Denmark on Wednesday. How did we get here, and was it good? <laughs> are you sure you want to hear about I'll, it? I'm fine. Okay, Dom's fine. Well, should we talk about Denmark first? Without yeah, the yes. You up? yes, yeah. Let's talk about Denmark, Denmark, Czech Republic. Okay. Um, this uh, For me, this felt like an inevitability. I didn't really think the Czech Republic was... I don't think their adventure was going to go any further than this. Especially with everything going on with Denmark, but just not from a footballing point of view, Denmark have been really impressive, and Switzerland kind of um, edged through every round. I mean, they were very impressive against Holland, but I think half of what you can say about that game was that Holland fucked up. <laughs> they went in with the wrong attitude and um, just didn't deserve it. To be fair, to um, to be fair to the Czech Republic, but so going into this game, it kind of all went. Sort of as I expected, 
you know it started and it started so early with Denmark getting their first goal in the first five minutes. So yeah, I mean, Dem- I think Denmark's um, dream was always gonna always gonna continue, and it looked like Czech Republic kind of ran out of ideas even when they got that one goal back with Patrick Schick, joint um, joint for the golden boot at the moment with Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, yeah, I didn't. It never looked in doubt, and. Denmark kind of made it look a little bit easy, and even that, that second half, they were the only ones who looked like they might add to the score sheet, not not the Czechs. So, yeah, quiet night for Casper, good night for the Danes, um, and on they go to back to Wembley, but all the way from Baku, Azerbaijan. Then oh. their, their next stop is uh, next stop is Wembley. Do you think this quarter final is kind of the end of? the surprises that we've had this tournament. Because one of the things we've spoken about in the group stages and even the knockout rounds was being like, oh my God, I didn't see that coming. Like Ukraine went through, the Czech Republic went through, Switzerland knocked out France, England destroyed Germany. You know, destroy is a bit of a heavy word. But now we get to this point in the quarterfinals and it's like Spain go through as expected, Denmark go through as expected, England goes through as expected, Belgium, Italy was always going to be a bit up there, but Italy had been on a good run of form. It'd be hard to say that they weren't necessarily the favourites. Like, was this just the the round of realisation of being like, nah, this is where we are? Uh, yeah, I suppose so. And um, Spain, uh, Spain made hard work of it against Switzerland. So, you know, the Swiss felt like they were on the edge of maybe keeping up those this this weird spell of of um of surprises in this tournament but ultimately yeah i think the 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 short odds were on all four of these teams making it out of the quarterfinals and and making it to the semis one of the things i thought was really crazy about this round was that it was basically all of the games were decided in the first 5 minutes of each half if that makes sense Sorry, let's say the first 10 minutes. So the whistle blows for the first half. Within 10 minutes, something crazy has happened. Then it gets to <laughs> half time, and the first 10 minutes of the next half, something crazy has happened. And it's like looking at like the goals for this game. It's like Spain get their only goal through an own goal after eight minutes. Denmark score after five minutes. Uh, England score after four minutes, after 46 minutes. Uh, the Czech Republic, uh, Denmark score on the forty, uh, the forty second minute, but the Czech Republic score on the forty ninth. It's like every time a game starts, it's it. There's just energy. It seems like from the very beginning of the game, and then from the beginning of the second half, nobody's hanging around here, right? Yeah. Like they're they're going out and they're they're making things happen. Yeah, and that's really cool to see because it's ha- it happens so much in knockout football where both teams go out with a lot of trepidation. They just don't want, they want to be solid. They don't necessarily want to put anything at risk. But yeah, you're right. And at least in three out of these four games, both teams went out and were like, let's get goals early. And the and same thing happened with the second half with England scoring um, right after half time. But with the, with the Belgium-Italy game, the goals all sort of came at the end of the end of that first half, didn't they? So that was the one exception. Yeah. But yeah, no, definitely, definitely cool to see because the worst thing that can happen in a, and knockout stages of a, of a major competition is that there aren't many goals. Like it, need, it's so nice to see it be a, a spectacle and have things yeah. to things to cheer and things to go ooh about, <laughs> and not just like sit there waiting for something to happen. And you know, one thing happens, one goal, one or two goals, and then you go home. Because even in the 
um, the one all Switzerland Spain that wasn't exactly a boring game that was that was tense because Spain should not have found it as difficult as they did as far as everyone was concerned Switzerland showed that what they did against France wasn't a fluke they are really difficult to play against um, but yeah I mean ultimately they kind of ran out of puff and maybe they missed their their sort of talismanic leader Granit Xhaka who had to miss this game um, and actually towards the end their goalie Jan Sommer kind of kept them kept them in it with a, with a few good saves so um, but yeah, go back to your point. You're absolutely right. A lot of shit happened in the first few minutes of the halves. <laughs> well, I think this seems like a, a good time to to talk about that Switzerland Spain game because again, one of the things leveled against Spain was well, they keep winning. They scored like ten goals in two games, or whatever, and now it's like eleven goals in three games. Like uh, Spain seemed to vastly outperform the quality of their team. And then we get to this situation against Switzerland and it it felt to me like the lack of Xhaka being on the pitch was kind of what did Switzerland in. Like if Xhaka had been there to marshal them and lead them the same way he had against Felix, Shakiri did a good job. There's no doubt about that. But it's the two of them together that really brings Switzerland to life. And I like it kind of felt to me that if Xhaka had been on the pitch... We might not even have got to penalties. Like maybe Croatia don't even score their own goal because they they're better organized, they're better led, they're you know things are they're a, a better all round team. Um, what did you think of that penalty shootout? Because for me, after the absolute insanity of the Euro League penalty shootout between Villarreal and Man United, where it was like. 21 back-to-back penalty goals or something <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. And then the penalty shootout we saw earlier in this tournament, we get to this one, and it's like the complete opposite in a lot of ways, where it's like, oh yeah. my God, nobody can get this in the net. And that was thrilling for me. That was crazy, yes. Yeah, especially after it happened in the France-Switzerland game where they just kept scoring and scoring and scoring. It came down to the final penalty. The 10th penalty was the one. Um, but yes, it was strange of this Switzerland Spain one because, as as you know, I missed it. I had to I had to leave the house, which was a bit of a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, when I when I watched it back, it was like, wow, yeah, this is kind of not what you expect from even from penalty shootouts at this at this level because they've proven to be so pivotal um, at, at various points in various tournaments, World Cups and Euros, especially if you're in England <laughs> an England sport over the last thirty years, but. Um, so it made an awful lot of sense to me that like France and Switzerland, just everyone went in. And in Europa League final, the same thing. It made sense to me that they would have practiced this and be ready for it and good penalties. And ultimately, a saved penalty is as much good luck as as it is judgment. Um, and when it came down to, um, I can't remember who it was, was it Vargas blazing one over mm-hmm. the bar to, to, yeah. set, to set up Spain being able to, to win the game? That was... A, it's more. It's more surprising nowadays than it ever has been before that somebody would miss the target, like the amount of practice these players um, undertake with with um, with shooting on target. That to miss, and obviously the 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 stature of the uh, of the of the moment of the event can get to you, and that can that can mess with your concentration. And I must. That's probably what happened with with Vargas. But yeah, it was against France. It was swear tense in one way, and against. Uh, Switzerland versus Spain, it was tense in a whole a whole different way. Like, is anyone actually going to put one in the net? What's going on? 
Yeah, again, you've got, I think, they took Shakiri off an extra time and Xhaka wasn't there at all. And that has that same kind of feeling to me where it's like you're the two guys you would rely on to take up and, you know, not that they're necessarily penalty takers, but they're your team's, you know, the ones you rely on to lead your team through like Sergio Biscuits was. And then he missed. It was like, oh, my God. Right. Like they're the guy they needed to put put it in has missed it. And like he was there because you can rely on him. But Switzerland didn't have Xhaka. They didn't have Shakiri. Uh, they just like I don't even know these players. Yeah. Um, and I yeah I wonder if it, there was just like a case of you know, Vargas is about twelve years old I think and that maybe that was a bit of a, <laughs> yeah he, he does he does look young and yeah Shakiri didn't even make it to the end of ninety minutes he went off on like the eighty first minute. Um, but then one, another one of the really important players, Brie Lombolo, who had been really, really dangerous and really impressive during the group stages. He had to go off early um, and for Vargas, actually. So Vargas came on for him in the 20-something minute. And yeah, it kind of without Xhaka, the midfield of Zakaria and Freuler just didn't look as... I mean, they managed to keep Spain to one goal. And like you said, it was an own goal that finally went in off, off Zakaria. But... Um, that that was kind of a midfield of of ball winners and and warriors, but not not so much creativity. So you would have if Xhaka was in there, he would be feeding Shakiri in dangerous places and he'd be playing balls over the top for Mbolo to run onto, or be playing balls into Seferovic's feet to hold up or flick up flick onto the on runners. Um, so yeah, kind of things just kept stacking up against Switzerland from the, even, like I said, even before kickoff with losing Xhaka and. Shakiri doesn't make it to 90 minutes and Bolo gets injured. They get a man sent off at the end of normal time. So, I mean, mm-hmm. fair play to them for holding on through a whole of extra time with only 10 men. And like I say, the goalie made a, a, made a, good, a good few saves there. But it was maybe just a step too far. Yeah. So we say goodbye to, uh, to Switzerland. We say goodbye to Belgium. To be honest, there's not really that much to talk about in that game. Like, that game was kind of boring... And the only thing Belgium really did was Lukaku scored the penalty and there were a few... But the game itself didn't... Nothing really... There was nothing particularly interesting about that game, I didn't think. No, it wasn't It wasn't super exciting, but I found Italy to be very interesting and entertaining to watch. Mm, as a my mum likes Italy. My yeah, mum is play... like, that's the team I want to watch. <laughs> yeah, they play really well and dead. Both of their goals were world-class. I especially love Barella's goal where he wiggled and got some space free in the box and his finish was, was excellent. Um, and yeah, Insignia's goal from outside the box was a peach as well. Courtois, full stretch, still couldn't reach it. Um, there's something I don't like about the Italians though. Oh, God. Um, and they've always kind of done it and they're not the only team that does it, but they do it in a way that to me takes the PIWS. Oh, yeah. <laughs> every team especially in a knockout um, a knockout situation every team that's winning and they're counting down the clock trying to waste some time will try and win free kicks and you know the player who's get, who gets if he does get fouled will take a little bit longer to get up from the pitch and maybe uh, I'm sorry up off the ground and maybe the goalie will take a little bit too long with his goal kicks and you know the, the team in the lead will if they have possession will try and keep the ball in the corner away from trouble like all of that is annoying, but it's football um, to a degree. But what Italy do is take the absolute PIWS. <laughs> I don't know why I can't say that today. I'm feeling very, very conservative. Very sensitive. Um, and they, they fabricated fouls out of nothing. 
which is something that annoys me about football generally, that referees fall for it all the time. They get conned by... Um, yeah, just it's clear, it's obvious that they're going to want to waste time. So when the player in possession for the winning team goes to ground, it looks a little bit soft. I'd like the referees to be like, I'm going to err on the side of the other team for this because you've got every reason to go to the ground cheaply. So I'm going to let things go. And only if it's really obvious, pull up on a free kick. Because the Italians, like Donnarumma, he went up to punch the yeah. punch a ball clear and he didn't get touched. He barely yeah. got touched. And he landed fine and sort of falls onto the ground and makes out like he's been clattered by the uh, by one of the um, Belgian attackers, which just didn't happen. It was a complete cheat. It was a complete lie, just to waste a few minutes. And it just it's it's annoying to me that the the game is set up in a way that teams can take advantage of it like that. I always wondered why um, football bodies and are so pent on not pausing the clock when the the ball's not in play. Like if a, if a player goes down injured or a, um, a substitution's happening, just stop the watch. Like actually stop the top clock kick, yeah, the clock ticking. Because whenever they seem to, they're supposed to like add on time and that's what injury time is at the end of each half. But that never seems to equate to how much time is actually mm. wasted by the players. So that's a bit annoying. But yeah, I think Italy kind of went too far in taking advantage of that and it got a bit scummy. And I lost a little bit of t- um, respect for them at the end of it. And from including what I hope will forever be referred to as the doing an immobile <laughs> for the for the Barella goal. Yeah. Where he goes down think like trying to make out that he's had his foot kicked off or, you know, he's been slashed by the opponent's studs. And then Barella does his amazing bit of trickery and scores a goal and Immobile looks up and goes, Oh, it's a goal, is it? And he just gets up and runs off to join the celebrations. Uh-huh. And it's moments like that that I wish there was some footballing body that looked at things and went that's shitty. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, he clearly wasn't that hurt. He didn't, even, he didn't even make it look like he was limping or like, oh, I'll just run this off because sure, that hurt, but I'm happy my team has scored. He just looked up all sheepish and all sneaky and was like, cool. And just like jogged off. Absolute scum. So, yeah, that lost, they lost, I lost some respect for them, um, for their mentality, if not for their football, which was, really exciting and and it was also really sad to see Spinazzola get injured in the way that he did because he'd been so great such a great player for my dream team by the way (laughs) and that yeah to to go have such a serious injury for nothing just for chasing a ball um and meaning he's going to be out for months he might not even make it for the the start of, of a new season at the end of the summer so that's a real shame and it'd be interesting to see what what Italy can do to replace him because he's proven to be quite irreplaceable so far yeah, that might be, as sad as it is to say, that might be good news for England going forward. Uh, assuming that we can manage to get past Denmark, who uh, who knocked out the Czech Republic. I don't think the Czech Republic are going to be too upset, though. They've done really well. They've got really far. Um, uh, last year, the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, uh, showed that the Czech Republic is now richer than both Spain and Italy. So even wow. if, uh, even if, Dem- if uh, the Czech Republic didn't manage to get through, they still did better monetarily than the, than the semi-finalists. Um, uh, the, Czech, the Czech Republic as well, in the, the 2021 World Happiness Report, uh, Czech people are happier than the British and the French. So, you know, a standard, of, li- yeah, standard of living is, is higher than uh, a lot of countries that have the euro. So the Czechs, they've gone out. It's a shame. They've, they've played a good tournament. I wasn't that much of a fan of their style of play, to be honest, but they 
they did well. They, you know, they got to a level further than they probably thought that they would. And they can go out knowing their country's richer than the others and they're happier than the others. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I mean, you know, that's got to be that, good news. Maybe that matters more like, than football at the end of the day. Yeah. Let's get to an important fixture. A fixture so important historically that the former president of Ukraine blamed it for political dissidents within his nation. It's England, Ukraine. <laughs> really? When was that? 2012. England play oh, yeah. Ukraine. And there's a controversial clearance off the line by uh, by John Terry. Yeah. Wayne, Wayne Rooney scores to put England 1-0 up. And in the 60-something minute... The Czechs, uh, sorry, the Ukrainians do score, but John Terry clears it off the line, even though technically if there was VAR, they would have given it. But there wasn't VAR because it was 2012. It wasn't even goal line technology, which was the, the biggest thing. Yes. Yeah. And uh, the Ukrainians were so furious about it that the president of Ukraine said, this is why we don't want to join the European Union. <laughs> He said because I think because it was a Hungarian referee and it's things like this against England. He said it's a national tragedy that we were, that everything could have been different. That's how much of a big deal it was. The, the Ukrainian president at the time said this is why we shouldn't join the EU because of a Hungarian referee. Even though UEFA have nothing to do with the European Union in any way whatsoever. But he's like, no, no, no. This is why. See, you can't you can't take politics and football apart from each other. Not when the presidents are involved. Yeah, at least if they're football fans. Yes. Well, this for the upcoming game, the well, the you know, in preparation for the Ukrainian England game, the uh, Ukrainian cabinet, the political uh, the political office, were sat all in Ukrainian football shirts for their meeting. They were so behind the team that they were all sat there wearing their Ukrainian shirts in the in the cabinet meeting. So they were really they were really saying it's time to get revenge for 2012. Glory for the heroes, glory for Ukraine. Bad news for them. We destroyed them. Yeah. It was kind of it was kind of, you know. I I say that but Ukraine played a reasonable game of football. Right, like they they weren't poor. It's just that England actually managed to do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I'd agree. They, they they didn't embarrass themselves. They just no. were out outclassed. Really, I think this is time where I should make a formal statement as well. Okay, and and I'm I'm gonna do it. It's tough. It's tough to do, but sometimes you you just got to say these things. Raheem Sterling played exactly how I wanted him to play. <laughs> Especially with that first goal, he did the thing I wanted him to do, Dave. Yeah, he, he, I remember. He, he actually did it. And I was like, what? No, 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 Sterling. No, no, no. <laughs> you, you're not supposed to play that pass into Harry Kane that scythes through their defence, letting Harry Kane in for a goal he couldn't bloody miss because he's Harry fucking Kane. And um, this like, oh, that's what he should have been doing this whole tournament. And he did it. And it was great. It was great. We talked about it in a previous episode, didn't we, about how he kind of just kept running into dead ends, running it right into a wall of defenders and... 
I think in that particular game, which whichever one it was, he kind of got lucky that the ball bounced to Harry Kane to give him a chance to, on goal. And you were like, sure, he's doing the running, but it's not good enough. If he had looked up yeah. one minute, one second sooner, he could have actually played him in intentionally. Yeah, yeah. and it's almost like he listened. He was like, oh, I'm running at the defence a bit like in that other game. What did Dom and Dave say? That, <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I'll play a pass instead. And yeah, yeah. it was beautiful. And that wasn't his last positive contribution to the game by any means. No, but just what what a game it was as well. Although it, it very much felt to me after four minutes, the following 41 minutes were exactly what I expected England to be like. And it was like, oh my God, they scored. And then like, oh, here we go. Here we go again. <laughs> They're playing yeah. like England. And I was like, oh God, again? Like this again? But then they came out for the second half again. Bam, bam. And then I even, like, they made the substitution and Jordan Henderson came on. I was like, oh, Jordan Henderson. And then, bam, Jordan <laughs> Henderson scores. And it's like, yeah. what? What a day. <laughs> Big time, yeah. And for him, after he tried to remember, was it in a warm-up game where he hadn't, he st- up until um, the quarterfinal, he had never scored for England. Yeah. And he was one of only a few, I think one of seven play- outfield players to have played over 50 games for England and not scored. Yeah. And he tried. He we got a penalty in one of the warm up games, didn't we? And he took it off of whoever was the normal penalty taker, and he missed it. He missed it. So it's kind of um, yeah, he's kind of redeemed himself a bit there. And yeah, what a time to do it. Yeah, but a bit like um, as you were saying with that um, first half after we scored, it was all a bit England. Uh, we still had chances, but you know the the what the tempo wasn't great, and the commentators are saying how it. You know, the the heat in Rome was making the England players wilt a little bit. But then they came out in the second half refreshed, banged the rest of their goals in within 20 minutes. And then we're just like, cool, now we can start resting players. Now we can start making the substitutions that we haven't really made <laughs> throughout yeah. this entire tournament. And we actually use all five of them for, for I, don't, I don't know, if it was the first time we've ever used all five subs during this tournament, but we finally did it. Um, but did you see at the end, after the game, Jack Grealish, who didn't get on, um, for, at all for any minutes Gareth Southgate sort of put his arm around him gave him a proper like spoke to him personally yeah, about something yeah. and I, I've got I've got to imagine Jack was um, disappointed not to get on and against a team where he really could have you know ripped him apart really torn some holes in them but I can only hope that Gareth Southgate was going we we you are the player we come to when we need to score goals uh-huh. because you can do things that other people can't do and if we if we're struggling one way you'll be the man who gets the call to make something happen yeah. but when we're 4-0 we up today. you play Marcus Rashford because he needs to yeah, run yeah. around a bit you know yeah. yeah i said that to him. i watched the i went around my brother's house me and my girlfriend both did actually and we sat on the sofa with uh, my brother and his wife and their two boys, which was really nice. All of us sat together watching the game, eating snacks, which is why I don't remember an awful lot of the game because there was just a lot of chatting and laughing. Yeah, and, yeah, it's a good times. It was, it was, it was nice. It was good times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a, a point where someone played a long ball for Marcus Rashford to chase, and he couldn't quite catch it. But I went, well, you know, he probably needs to do a few sprints. You know, it's yeah. good for his fitness. Yeah. I thought actually, I I I know exactly the moment you mean. Because he made that run and the, he didn't stop going for the run. Right? He didn't make it. But what he didn't think was, ah, I'm not going to reach it. He went and he went and he went. And it was like, yeah. if he'd got to it, he would have tried to do And I'm like, I like that. That's the kind of like dogged determination that I want. 
I want to see from like from the England team especially, where it's like maybe I can get it, and if I get it, maybe I can do something with it, rather yeah. than just like resigning. Ah, no, I'm not going to reach it. Probably not going to catch it. Yeah, because yeah. that's the kind of thing that a Marcus Rashford who's playing ninety minutes might give up on because he's uh-huh. thinking about maybe reserving some of his energy, but. When you, when you come on for Raheem Sterling in the 65th minute, you've got less than half an hour of game time. You might as well just chase everything down. Yeah. Because, like I say, at least this can, might help you stay sharp for if you get called upon in the semi-finals when you can only expect it's going to be tougher than it was in Rome. Yeah. What did you think of Sancho? Finally makes his, his tournament debut. Yeah. Did he I was impress? Gonna, I was going to ask you the same thing. Yeah, I, I think he was very impressive. And yeah. he, he's done a great deal for his own uh, chances of starting the semi-final, he was he was bright. He was had a, to put on some amazing uh, skills. His feet were so nimble, and he would um, lull the Ukrainians into making a tackle and just pull it away, and off he would go. And he got fouled a fair few times. He managed to get a couple of shots away, and yeah, I think he's the kind of player that the Denmark players would be looking at. Going, I hope he doesn't play because yeah. he's just going to be a, he's just going to be a handful. He's going to be difficult. Him and him and Grealish, I think, are harder players to figure out how to stop than, say, Raheem Sterling. Raheem Sterling is very direct and he's very quick and he's very clever now, which is something that he never... Uh, not ever. It's something he wasn't always... You can always attribute to him. Sometimes he would be he would make bad decisions and lack concentration. But now, I think, he was involved in the, uh, three of the goals in, in, in one way or another. Directly, he directly set up um, the first one and he played the ball to Luke Shaw to set up uh, one of Harry Kane's goals with a little back heel... And um, I wasn't. I wasn't one of the goals. It was when Harry Kane's ridiculous, orgasm-inducing left-footed volley that came off a defender, yeah, yeah, and which was a really well saved by the goalie. But that volley was, it was unreasonable. Yeah, yeah. But it was really great. But that came from Raheem Sterling making a quite an intelligent run, pulling the defenders away, and the defender had to really stretch to get his head to it. Couldn't get any distance on it. And it fell to Harry Kane, and had that gone in. That could have been. That, that could have not only been one, the goal of the tournament. That could have been our Gascoigne '96 for this yeah. generation. Yeah, right. It would have been incredible. But so, um, yeah, I think he's easier to stop um, if you're watching film. If you're studying Sterling, I think you know what he likes to do, and if you're good enough, you might be able to stop him as long as he's not thinking. As long as he doesn't feel like the best player in the world on the day, you might have a chance. But with Sancho and Grealish. I don't know how you stop them because they can do more loads of different things. They can go in and out. They can make runs in behind. They can run at you. They can come up with little poaching positions to to, to score. They can make space for themselves in the box to shoot. I would I would rather play against Raheem Sterling than than Grealish or Sancho. Yeah, I think like Grealish has obviously impressed. Sancho really impressed in that game. Saka impressed earlier in in the tournament as well. Like, Foden has been great. Uh, Sterling has scored three of our goals and then in this game played the way that he was supposed to play. Harry Kane, now three, you know, three goals in two games, can't you know can't knock that now that he's started to get in form. And it's such a shame he didn't put that incredible volley in as well. But now I feel, like, I feel like if you're Denmark, all of a sudden it's more like, uh, oh, couldn't we have played England a few games ago? Right, like, couldn't we yeah. have played them when they got out the group stages? Because they weren't scary. But now, going in to play them, it's like, not only have they not conceded, but they just won 4-0. And, 
And if you're Kasper Schmeichel, you're thinking, you know what, we, we've played some decent teams on the way here, but every week I have to play one of these guys and they're trouble. And now I've got to play all of them at the same time. And that's <laughs> got to be pretty intimidating, right? If you're Casper yeah. Schmeichel, it's like, oh, when I play Spurs, you know, I've got to play, I've got to play Harry Kane. You're always worried when you've got to play Harry Kane. You play Man City, oh my God, you're Foden and Sterling. Like, you've got to be kind of ready for that. Oh, even Aston Villa's not a comfortable game because you've got Jack Grealish. And when you're in Chelsea, you've, you know, you've got Mason Mount who's there. And, you know, Arsenal, you've got to watch out for Saka because he's up and coming. But what do you do? When you look to the pitch and it's like all of your worst nightmares at the same time. Like, it's it's difficult for me because you know how I feel about Kasper Schmeichel. But if I'm Kasper Schmeichel right now, I don't think Dormammu has the same concern because he doesn't really play them. Like, maybe he'll come up against them in the Champions League. But, like, either Kasper's thinking, well, this is great. I'm prepared for all of these guys. Or he's thinking, come on! <laughs> really? Well, like, all I, I of would them? Think- yeah, like if you or I were Casper Schmeichel, we'd be thinking you would be we'd be thinking that like one or two of them at a time is you know something I can deal with. Yeah. Um, and you know, champ the FA Cup final against was it against yeah. Chelsea. Yeah. yeah where yeah. so he, you know maybe he would feel not too worried about Mason Mount unless he thinks Mason Mount or the other Chelsea lads are going to want to get one back on him. But. Casper being the Casper, I think we all know and love. He's going to be like fucking bring it on. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I, I know all, right, all of boys. these guys. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, only yeah. the only thing I was thinking about is he doesn't have any teammates in the England team. There's no Leicester players. Mm. With um, he will know Ben Chilwell, I guess, from his time there. But um, with James Morrison, James Morrison is that his name? You. Why am I suddenly like doubting myself? Something yeah. Makes me feel alright. Is he, he also Leicester? The, is that also the Leicester player? Well, <laughs> the, whatever, Leicester's um, the sort of number ten. He missed out on the England team, and obviously Jamie Vardy is not part of the, 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 yeah. the scene anymore. So he hasn't got like, any sort of inside track on any of them, except for Ben Chilwell, who I don't think has played any minutes. Luke Shaw and Kieran Trippier have played at left back. Um, so yeah, I don't, it'd be interesting to see. Um, well, it'd be interesting to know, get inside Casper's head and know what he's thinking. Because mm. I, I, I wonder if Denmark are also going to be wondering what the system is going to be. Because we've yeah. played a lot of five at the back, especially against uh, the tougher teams like Germany. But we went four at the back against the Ukraine. So I think it would be a show of respect if we played five at the back and also be a little bit defensive, which I, I know you've had um, some, some quarrel with us being too defensive uh, in the past. But it would be sensible, I think, at least in the first half to go with three at the back. And then, then you wonder, yeah, who's going to miss out from, from these uh, impressive attacking players? Because uh, Mason Mount is good and Southgate likes him, but I, don't really, I didn't really notice him much against no. the Ukraine. No. No, I'd be putting Grealish in that position. I'm, to be honest, I'd be putting Grealish everywhere. That's the thing with Grealish. Like, he's, he's been so great and so versatile. But yeah, Mason Mount, like, he, he was fine. Again, he, he didn't play the previous game, so he's kind of coming in maybe, you know, not quite... Uh, not quite, you can't run in, he doesn't have the same continuity, but yeah, again, we'll see. But again, we've got to say goodbye to, to the heroes now as well. Yeah, no no more no more glory for the heroes. They're, no. they would have, they're, they're going home with some, like the Czech Republic. I think if they had, if you had offered them quarterfinals at the beginning of the tournament, they would have been like, fuck yeah, got cheers. Yeah, I'll take that. Thanks very much. So I, I don't think they'll be going home too disappointed. I don't think either team, well, definitely not Ukraine, but I'm not, I don't even think Czech Republic really felt like they could have won 
against Denmark. So going out with with honor at the quarterfinals is um, is, is 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 success for for both of them. I think. Yeah, I think as well. Like leaning into the politics side of it now. From what I've been reading, this has been really important for Ukraine as well. Has been being to see them go far, to see them, you know, to accomplish this, um, to go beyond their expectations. Um, especially considering their footballing record has not been. It's not historic that they would get this far, and so then they came top of their group. You know, they got to the quarterfinals. They outlasted. Portugal and Germany and France and you know yeah. it's uh the, the things that I've read it's been massively important for the Ukrainians that live in places like Donetsk that are you know technically Ukraine but under Russian backed separatist control and those Ukrainians who do feel Ukrainian rather than Russia this has given them a you know they're not generally you don't want to go out into the streets of Donetsk going glory to the heroes glory to Ukraine <laughs> woo but prison. you go prison. you go to bars and you go to pubs with other Ukrainians and you watch the football and you watch their success and it gives them a thing on social media as well where they can talk about you know supporting Ukraine and it's you know it gives them a sense of identity and strength which is the things we've said before that the uh, the football is is so good for is you know giving something for your your uh, your country to get behind and you know it's their national football hero that led them here as well in Chevchenko who himself ran for political office immediately after retiring but unfortunately mm. uh, he got 1% of the vote nationally so he did perform too oh, greatly wow. but if you no, if you surprised if you wanted to run now, is it, if you're a Ukrainian and you're famous, there's a lot more chance of you getting elected than if you're like a British person. Like if Marcus Rashford decided now to run for political office, he might do all right, but he's not going to come up, you know, he's not going to stand a chance of winning. But in Ukraine, it's like the Klitschkos, Chevchenko, the, the guy now is, of course, the, the, the comedy actor that we, we spoke about before, the sitcom actor. Like, if you're in Ukraine, just, like, just fucking run for politics. Why not? It seems. <laughs> yeah. Well, if he ran, if Shevchenko ran now, he'd probably do even better. Yeah. Although yeah. now, now that it's, like, there, people are talking about him as um, a impressive and in-demand manager. I don't know how, I don't know if he's had many um, other manager jobs besides the national team. He's probably done his coaching badges here and there. But um, and what it'll be interesting to see if he stays on as the head national ma- uh, national manager, or whether he'll try and get a a, a club team a club yeah. job somewhere in Europe. Well, I guess it's time to bring this to a close. Uh, to close the book on U- the Ukraine, uh, there's one final bit of political news that I wanted to bring to you and, and see what you think. Ukraine's defense minister is suffering uh, criticism. Not because of anything to do with Ukraine's defence during, you know, the ongoing conflict with Russia taking place within their own country. (laughs) But because the defence minister of Ukraine, in preparation for a parade, decided to give all female military uh, cadets high heels for their parade. Unsurprisingly, none of the male cadets were wearing heels. And, uh... People were not happy about it. Uh, people, people that were not happy about it included his own government, who were like, what? Why? 
And I feel like this is the kind of perfect thing we were talking about with Eastern Europe before. You know what you're saying with Eastern Europe where it's like Ukraine, the Ukrainian government is trying to do things to appear more European, you know, to win favour with the EU and NATO and things like that. But there's always that part of their brain that's like, why don't we get the female soldiers to be wearing high heels? Yeah. While they, they'll, while, love while they they'll love it. They'll love it. They'll love heels, it. Right? Women love <laughs> heels, and uh, you then you look at the the other cabinet members, uh, the, the the cabinet members of his government, be like, oh <laughs> no, no. Um, people people were not happy about it. They uh, decided to to for uh, to look into experimental shoes, including boots with a little bit more heel in it. And uh, wow. the cabinet members, including the Minister for Veterans Affairs, Yulia uh, Lupatina, who is herself uh, female, uh, not best pleased. Uh, lots of comments. The, the purpose of any military parade is to demonstrate the military ability of the army. There is no room for stereotypes and sexism, said the, a statement from the cabinet ministers. So Ukraine have gone out. They've performed admirably, and when the heroes get back, we know what kind of parade they can expect through the centre of Kiev. <laughs> All the Ukrainian players have to wear high heels. Or maybe they'll be forced to wear football boots with studs as they walk, as they down, walk the, down, the, yeah, yeah. down the street, because this, this minister's got some backwards idea about footwear. Yeah. The semi-finals, unfortunately, none of them taking place today. Uh, tomorrow and, <laughs> Surprisingly. And, and the day after. Um I don't even know if I want to ask for your predictions, Dave. Should we just should we just let the football go, and just see what happens? If you like, should I not ask you for your opinion as well? Then, well, you can if you want, but I'm, I I don't know if we just if we just just go let the let the football play out. Let it let them play. Let it speak for itself. Why not? Yeah, and then that way, well, we'll we'll bloody see what happens, won't we? <laughs> well, we will so, yeah. so will everyone else yeah. although uh, uh, okay I'm going to give you a little hint to my prediction so I had to rearrange my fantasy football team yeah uh, obviously as well yeah obviously because the court finals were over so half the teams are gone thanks very much Belgium <laughs> and uh, so we came to deciding who my players were going to be on the fantasy football team out of the 11 players on my fantasy football team 10 of them play for England <laughs> and the only one who doesn't is a mobile so that's pretty Here's much the, at the beginning of the tournament you were saying how good can Italy be when their best player is called, is a mobile yeah. and now we get to the semi-finals and here you are putting him into your team he's been in my team for a bit but he didn't perform in that last game and he, I think he's going to be frustrated that the other two scored in that and he's got a point to prove as old well, I think he, uh, I think you might be able to say that he did perform and in an Oscar-worthy performance <laughs> yeah. of Ow, my foot, ow, ow, please look at my foot, which was very quickly um, very quickly ended, but yeah. he performed something. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We will see you for the semi-final. Goodbye, Switzerland. You did amazingly. Flip the bird for Xhaka one, one last time. Sorry, Belgium, that you managed to underperform again. Your golden generation's gone bronze. Well done to Czech Republic and to Ukraine. Glory to the heroes. Glory to Harry Kane. How's that for a fucking sign-off?
smooth as oh, you like. It even unintentionally rhymed. It was it? I didn't hear a rhyme. Did it rhyme? I was not obviously paying attention. Maybe it rhymed in my head. Uh, I'll tell you later when I edit it. <laughs> yeah. uh, PT Dubs didn't rhyme. <laughs> yeah.